0: City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 12.11 1st Avenue North on the third floor. Uh, is this thing called Billy on the Street. Uh, it's where uh, comedian Billy Eichner, who has an abrasive personality, to put it lightly, runs around New York City with a microphone, and he usually has a dollar in his hand, and he will run up to people on random streets in New York City, stick a microphone in their face, and say, for a dollar, and then he'll ask them an incredibly simple question. Uh, For a dollar, who's your favorite movie star? And it's so funny that when you are approached in that sort of aggressive manner, even with like a dollar, that people freeze up. There's one where he runs up to a girl and says, for a dollar, would you name a woman? And this young girl, she's carrying her yoga mat around New York City, is like, um, uh, why can't I think of one? And he's like, it's, it's a dollar. Just name a woman. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, no, I don't uh, uh I don't know. Right. And then and there was another time where he, he went up to an African-American woman and he said, would you, would you name three white people? And she, she names one, she, uh, Brad Pitt. And he's like, okay, another. And she says, Michael Jackson. He goes, uh, <laughs> and runs away. Right, I mean, the, the whole thing, whenever you watch them, it is amazing how people, when they feel that pressure, the microphone, somebody filming them, somebody walking up to them unexpectedly and saying, what do you think about this? Name one of the people absolutely freeze. I've been thinking about this because I've been thinking about the question, who do you think God is? I mean, if I were to like run up to you right now with a microphone in the middle of the church service, you would freeze just like everybody on Billy in the Street does. But if we were to stop and sort of think about this and ask the question to ourselves, who do I believe God is? I think what would be interesting is all of us would come up with probably a different answer in one way or another. We might say one thing about God that somebody else wouldn't say. We might, we might nuance it one way or the other. But whatever it is, all of us have different ideas about who God is. And we have the idea of who we want people to think that we believe God is, right but i 've been thinking this week about the fact that there is one way to absolutely understand how you think about God there's one way to see exactly what you believe about God, and that 's this: How do you pray, or maybe related to that do you pray? Whatever we think about God, it is revealed by how we pray to Him. Do we think that He is, he is some sort of uh, cosmic concierge who we just ask for stuff and He gives us stuff? Your prayers might reveal that you think that that's what God is. Or maybe you think that that God is always angry at you, and so your prayers almost feel like constant groveling. Whatever it is, our prayers tell us what we think about God. And the the inverse of this is true as well. What we think about God determines how we pray. What you think about God is going to determine how you pray. Uh, One writer uh, named Thomas Watson said this, Drab thoughts about God lead to dull prayers. You want to know why your prayers are dull? Because you don't think that much of God. Because your view, your understanding, your actual thoughts about God, not what you would tell me, the pastor, right? You could tell me all sorts of flowery words about God. But your prayers reveal what you actually think about God. I know in my case, my prayers are often in a tenet. It's kind of scattered. So what does that tell me about what I believe about God? Well, it tells me that I don't probably think God is serious enough. Right? What about you? What is it that your prayers are telling you about how you believe about God? What's interesting is we begin to approach the Lord's Prayer this week. Is that The first thing Jesus does... When his disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray. We don't know how to pray. Jesus, we need your help. You are God on earth. Tell us how to pray. The first thing he does is he grounds their prayers in who God is. He gives them the proper view of God. And I want to show you how he does that. But as I show you how he does that, we're going to do something different this week. Normally, uh, at City Church, we preach through one passage of the Bible. We went through the life of David, and we would do a chapter at a time. And I would have you all stand up, and we'd read uh, these chapters. uh, And then I would say the kind of thing that we say at the end of each. That's going to be a little bit different here during the Lord's Prayer. Because what we're going to focus on today is just the words, Our Father who is in heaven. But I want to read several passages that reflect this idea. So I'd ask you to stand and I'm going to read five different passages as you stand. So please stand with me. Let me read five passages that give us an idea of what it means when God says, and Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father who is in heaven. Isaiah 6.3, then one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then we see in Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And finally, First John reminds us, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. City Church, these passages are from the Word of God, written ages ago but intended for us this morning. You may be seated. When we honestly think about our prayers, or lack thereof, what we see and one of the first things that they tell us is that we don't have a balanced and biblical view of God. And they remind us that kind of frankly we don't care about that. That that's not something we think about. That's not high on our list of importance. We don't have a balanced or biblical view of who God is and yet the Lord's Prayer anchors us in these things. And the first thing that it does is it anchors us in these two ideas. Our Father, which is a a familial term, a, a term of endearment and love. Our Father, who is in heaven. And we see, even in the beginning, these two big and contrasting ideas. That on the one hand, God is near to us. He is close to us. He is involved in our lives. But on the other hand, he is in heaven. And what I want to do is, is look at those two ideas and think through them together because we have to hold both of those in our mind together when we pray. The first idea is that God is transcendent. That's a big word. We try not to use big words like that at City Church, but I think we need to use a big word to communicate a big idea about who God is. He is absolutely holy. He is untouchable. He is unimaginable. God is unfathomable. He's uncontrollable by us. He's unchangeable. You see, on the one hand, some of us like to think about God being near, but on the other hand, we need to be reminded that God is in heaven. He is not swayed by the things that happen on earth. He is not pushed around. He is not worrisome. He doesn't change. He is absolutely majestic and apart from everything that you and I have ever experienced. Now, for some of us, we believe this and we believe it so much that this is the only way that we think about God. We only overemphasize this idea of God's holiness and majesty. And what happens when we do that is our mind creates a picture of God that is distant and uncaring. Some of you, when you pray, your prayers are just sort of haphazardly and thrown off. That's probably because you don't really believe that God cares about you. You have such a view of God being distant, God being apart, that your prayers reflect that by you kind of going, yeah, I guess the people say I should pray, so let me just say some words in an upward direction and I don't really know what's happening with this. For those of us who are Christians, the way that we see this worked out in our life is God is so far away, I can't see God at work in my life. If God doesn't care, why should I? Some of you who are Christians have have honestly thought that. I I know as a Christian, there have been times in my life where I've thought, God doesn't seem to care, so why should I care? So I'm going to do what I want. If anybody says any different, God doesn't care, I don't care. That is an idea of God that is so distant. That it's not a good picture of them. And it affects the way we pray. But on the other hand, we don't believe this enough. And I think this is more of what we do as Christians. We don't emphasize enough the otherness of God. That you have never experienced, seen anything like God. Because what we want to do, what we're taught by our culture to do, is make God a servant to our own ideas. Our culture says, let's take God and bring him down to our level. Let's make him like us. I want, I want a God who looks like me. What, the, the classic example of that in our culture right, is, is the scene in Talladega Nights, where they're sitting around the table and they're describing what they want their Jesus to be like. I want my Jesus to be like the lead singer of an all-angel Leonard Skinner band. How many of you low-key think that Jesus was rooting for your college football team yesterday? Gentlemen, how many of you have ever quietly prayed for your fantasy football team? As if God cares about fantasy football. Ladies, have you ever prayed for a sale? See, what happens is, when we do things like this, what we're doing is we're dragging God down to our level. He is in heaven. Did you catch what the verse in Ecclesiastes said? God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Let me translate that out of Hebrew a little bit clearer. You probably need to shut your mouth because you don't really understand the gravity of who God is. But we are happy to keep running our mouths. We are happy to keep talking. We are happy to make God conform to what we want. You know how else we do this? Let me tell you what God thinks about this. How many of us have said that and then said our words and not his? No. God gets to speak for himself. And he does it in the Bible. And you don't get to make up words for God. we are quick to try to domesticate God, to make Him accessible. When in reality, and this is something that we, that we sort of buck against, God is not accessible in the way that we want Him to be. God is not everything that we want Him to be. He is beyond that. When we address our prayers like the Lord's Prayer to our Father who is in heaven, we are recognizing that he is more uncontrollable, more unfathomable, holier than we could ever imagine. And for some of us, our prayers need to be reminded of that. But for others of us, we need to be reminded about his nearness. You see, it doesn't say, our God who is in heaven. No, it says, our Father who is in heaven. Who is in heaven. And what's interesting is, though the Old Testament on a couple of occasions calls the people of Israel the, the sons of God, there was before Jesus prayed this not a single prayer written by a Jewish rabbi or written in the Old Testament that called God and addressed him as our Father. This is unique and new to Jesus. Jesus says, Look, it is not just that God is distant, He is, but He is also near and loving. He is compassionate. Because he was made man in Jesus, fully God and fully man, because of that, he can identify with you. He went through the things that you've gone through. You know, it's interesting, as school has started back up, a lot of us have gotten sick because kids bring home germs, because germs start flowing around more. Whether we have kids or not, because school's back in and... Children are low key gross. <laughs> and germs are going everywhere. And all of us, a lot of us have said, Oh, I've got a scratchy throat. I've got a sniffle. How to think? You know what's amazing about Jesus? Jesus can identify with you when you get sick because Jesus got sick. You ever, you ever let that sink in? That Jesus, because he was truly human, got sick? In 33 years of life, I'm pretty sure Jesus got a stomach bug once or twice. That he got strep throat, that he got a cold. Jesus experienced life like we do, and yet without sin. He is close and near to us. Now, we can take this too far. We can take the idea of God being near to us way too far. I I think of, of the sort of character of Jesus that's seen in the the statue that's called Buddy Christ. Some of you have seen this it's sort of a picture of Jesus giving a thumbs up and a wink and a gun. Right? It comes from Kevin Smith's movies. And and this idea of Buddy Christ is us way overemphasizing the nearness of Jesus. He wants something else from us. He's not just Buddy Jesus, he's more than that. But some of us underemphasize this as well. I think one of the reasons that we tend to underemphasize the relationship that God offers us in Him is because we have a struggle to be loved. We struggle to let our guard down. We struggle to let others love us. Whether that's because of experiences we've had in our families, experiences we've had in our lives growing up, wherever it is, some of us feel broken, and the idea of having someone love us is hard. And yet Jesus comes to us and reminds us that yes, God is distant and holy, but at the same time, He is near and compassionate and loving. And He's so loving that He tells us to address Him as Father. This points us to one of the most beautiful things about what Christianity says about who we are. When we become Christians, when we are united to Christ by faith, one of the things we receive is that we are adopted as the sons and daughters of God. That's something that we would all sort of say, but it's something that does not sink in well to your hearts and mine. That the God of the universe, because of what Jesus has done for us, loves us so much to say, I love you and you are my beloved son and daughter. No matter how bad your sin is. The gr- just like the ocean can cover mountains with its waters, The grace of Jesus covers any sin in our life. So no matter how bad you've been, if you are trusting in Jesus, you are the beloved adopted son or daughter of God. And it doesn't matter how bad your prayers are or how bad your view of God is. Because we are adopted, God's love for us is unchangeable. And it's the same love That God has. For his natural born son. See we've all sort of known those stories. About families with adopted children. And we know the beautiful ones. Where the adopted children are treated. Just as well as the natural born children. And we know the terrible ones. Where that's not the case. But in the case of God. His love for us. Is just the same. As his love for Jesus. Stop for a second. And let. Let that sink in. God's love for you, City Church, is the same as the love he has for Jesus. God's love for you, who is quick to not believe in God's holiness and his distance, who's too quick to bring God down to our level, God's love for you is the same that he has for. For Jesus. How? How is that possible? It's possible because this idea of the holiness of God, the otherness of God, and the love of God, that we find meeting here in the first words of the Lord's Prayer, is the same exact thing we see at the cross. Because the cross was God pouring out the wrath that you deserve for violating the holiness of God. Because that's what you deserve for violating the holiness of God, by the way, is wrath. And in the cross, we see Jesus in his great love for us taking that wrath on himself. It is the holiness of God and the grace of God meeting in a moment at the cost of the very blood of Jesus. City Church, the beautiful thing about the Lord's Prayer is it invites us to begin to think differently about God. For some of us, that means that we need to begin to remember that God is other, that God is farther out, more beautiful, more majestic, holier than we can imagine. For others of us, we need to remember that God is nearer, that God is more compassionate and caring than we could ever dream. But in both of those, we find the picture of the goodness and love of Jesus that he took our sins on himself. And so what happens is, as we begin to believe this, is this idea of of who God is, this idea of how amazing the cross of Jesus is, as that begins to permeate our life, it begins to transform the way that we pray. One of the ways it does is it reminds us that we're not alone. Did you notice when we said the Lord's Prayer that there are no first-person personal pronouns in the Lord's Prayer? No I. No I. No me, no my. Our Father who is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts. When we begin to see the beauty of Jesus, we begin to see that we're not in this alone, that this is all of us together as a community. When we see this, we also begin to see that it's a call to humility. That I need someone else. That I need a God who can rescue me. From this and as our prayers begin to change they also begin to form us into who god is making us to be so that we can just like jesus love fiercely but speak truth honestly to others and the gospel begins to work this out into our prayers and our prayers begin to form us into who god is let's pray